All right, today we're beginning a new message series, which I've called Experience God's Power. And in this series, we're going to look at some of the miracles in the Bible. There are a lot of miracle stories in the Bible. Anybody have a guess how many? I had no idea, so I looked it up. There's about 250 miracle stories. Now, many of those miracles are, many people were affected or it, it implies multiple miracles. So there's many more, but there are 250 passages in which distinct miracles that God does are recorded. Now, what is a miracle? Well, one definition of a miracle is a special act of God that interrupts the natural course of events. Let me say that again. A special act of God that interrupts the natural course of events. And so a miracle is an unexpected act of God that's designed to bring him glory, that's designed to carry out his plans and purposes in the world. And so in this series, we're going to understand more about the miracles in the Bible, but not just to study ancient history, things that happened thousands of years ago. We want to understand how God has worked in the past so that we can learn how to experience his power today. So I'd like us to watch a, a short video called Miracles. Do you believe in miracles? I hope that you do. And I hope as we go through this series that your faith will grow. My message this morning is called Miracles in a Scientific Age. Miracles in a Scientific Age. The number of people in America who believe in miracles is declining. The last uh, figure that I came up with in it was 2013 poll was about 72% down from around 80% a few years ago. Now, why the decline? Why the decline in the belief in miracles? Still, the majority of people believe in it. But the number of people who believe in God is declining as well in our country. And so obviously, if you don't believe in God or you believe in a God who doesn't interact with his creation, then you're not going to believe in miracles. So what do people believe in if they don't believe in a miracle-working God? Well, in our rational scientific age in which we try to figure everything out, people believe in science. They believe in the power of mankind to solve all of its own problems. In effect, if you don't believe in God, you worship man. Romans 1.25, and I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline, the verses written out on the back is a study guide. There's a study guide on the back. It haven't been as we've been going through a different series, but in this series we're back to a study guide. And that is there for you to, during the week, go over your notes, read the scriptures again, answer the questions, and you're going to be able to get more out of what God is teaching you. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. And so in this universe, there are only, well, in, yeah, I say universe, in, the, in everything, there are only two categories of things. There is the Creator, who is God, and there are created things. Now, you and I are created things. God is the creator. Everything we see around us, including the galaxies, the stars, everything we see around us in the world are created things. And when people become deceived and don't worship God as the creator, what is there left to worship? Simply created things. And that's what 
people worship. You can go on with the passage. I actually encourage you to read Romans 1. It talks about the other things that people worship in the created universe. And that's what is happening in America today. The, the worship of God is being replaced primarily by the worship of man, a, a created being. In effect, the worship of yourself. Can you be a Christian and not believe in miracles? We don't have many answers. The answer is no. Okay, the, end, the right answer is no. You cannot be a Christian and believe in, in miracles. So be careful, you know, if you shout out the answer because if, I'm going to tell you the right answer. You could be wrong. Uh, the answer is no. Let's look at Romans 10.9. I think this is the simplest way to answer the question. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's talking about the resurrection when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead after being dead for three days in the tomb. Would you call that a miracle? That's a miracle. You cannot be saved without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because if Jesus is not raised from the dead, what is he? He's still dead. And there's nothing to believe in. We have no hope. And so the Christian faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the greatest miracle in the Bible. And if you believe that God could raise Jesus Christ from the dead, the other miracles are not too hard to believe in either, are they? Now, unfortunately, there are many Christians who believe in miracles. You ask them, do you believe? Oh, yes, I believe in miracles. And what they believe in is miracles from the past. They believe in the miracles that are recorded in the Bible. And of course, we are to believe that the miracles recorded in the Bible are true, that they actually happen, that they're not legends, that they're not just stories made up. They are literal miracles that actually happened. People saw them. People recorded them. They happened in the past. But the belief that miracles in the past happened but no longer happen today, which is the view of most churches, is called cessationism. This view believes that God ceased working miracles when the Bible was completed and no longer is in the miracle business. You look at most of the churches around, that is their theological standpoint. The view of Life Church, and we are part of the Assemblies of God, about 70 million people around the world, rapidly growing fellowship, is called continualism. We believe that the God who worked miracles in the past continues to work them today. We believe that the accounts of miracles in the Bible are there to teach us and to build our faith so that we can experience God's power in our day and time. And what type of churches do you think are growing fastest in the world? Cessationist churches or continualist churches? Because continualist churches are growing by far the fastest. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still engaged in his creation. He didn't just create everything and then step back and let it run. He's engaged in his creation in a moment-by-moment -moment basis. He still works miracles, and we can grow in experiencing his power in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series, Experiencing God's Power. We're going to begin with a miracle way back from the book of Exodus. Give you a little background to our story. The nation of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. But under the leadership of Moses, it was time for them to be released. God directed Moses to 
work some miraculous plagues against Pharaoh. There's many stories of miracles that happened in that account, but we're not going to talk about them today. And finally, Pharaoh relented. He said, let the people go after the firstborn of every Egyptian family had been killed by the angel of death. He said, that's enough. I've had enough. You can go. Get out of here. I don't want anything worse to happen. And so he let the people go. The nation of Israel, hundreds of thousands, marched out of Egypt on the road to the promised land. But that's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning of our story today. And we're going to learn how to respond to attacks God's way because listen to what the Pharaoh did. He, that's the Pharaoh, took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And so after Israel left, the Israelites left the land of Egypt, Pharaoh thought about it for a minute and he thought, all my free slave labor is going away. How am I going to build my houses? How am I going to take care of all my stuff? This is not a good idea. I think I need to get those slaves back. And so he changed his mind. He chased after them with a view of bringing them back to Egypt as his slaves again. Now, Pharaoh was the head of Egypt, the reigning world power at the time. He had a myriad of chariots and soldiers. And what did the Israelites have to defend themselves? Nothing. They had nothing. They had left Egypt. They were slaves there. They had no weapons. Did slaves in Egypt have weapons? No, absolutely not. You don't give weapons to slaves. And so they marched out with simply the clothes on their back, some provisions for their journey. Some of the, the uh, gold and silver the Egyptians had given them to get them out of there. They had nothing to fight back with. And so what could they do? Well, they prayed for God's help. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Well, I would be terrified too. Here's all this, all the dust uh, kicked up in the desert sands by all these racing chariots and foot soldiers marching. Not only would the Pharaoh take many of them back to Egypt to serve as his slaves, he would undoubtedly kill a number of them to make them an example for the Israelites to never do this again. And so their very lives were at stake. And there was absolutely nothing they could do in their own strength to save themselves. They were sitting ducks. And so they cried out to God to save them. That was good. That's right. Uh, that's something when we are under attack, when we're in trouble, we should do as well. We should cry out to God to save us. But, but that's not all they did. They began to complain, which is an example we shouldn't follow. They said to Moses in verse 11, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And so not only did the Israelites cry out to God for help, they complained to Moses, their leader. In fact, they began to accuse him of bringing them out into the desert to die. They said it had been better to be slaves in Egypt than to be killed in the desert. Now, whose idea was it to bring them out of Egypt? It was God's idea. And so they were actually speaking against God by accusing 
Moses. It sounds to me like the Israelites didn't have much faith in God to save them. How did Moses respond to the accusations? Well, he did not defend himself. He simply encouraged the people to trust in the Lord. And so Moses answered the people. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So note Moses' first words, do not be afraid. Fear is the opposite of faith. You can't be afraid and trusting in the Lord at the same time. You can't be trusting in the Lord and afraid at the same time. And so rather than being afraid, rather than fearing, Moses encourages the people to stand firm and to see God deliver them. He said that God would take care of the Egyptians The Israelites would not have to fight. The Lord would fight for them. They needed only to trust in the Lord. Now let's think about ourselves today in 2016 in St. Louis, Missouri, USA. None of us face an attack by an Egyptian army. Have I got that right? The Pharaoh isn't chasing any of you. There are no more Pharaohs. But we all face attacks of every kind in our lives. Even though we're not being attacked by Pharaoh, if you're a believer today, you do have an enemy named Satan who attacks us in many ways on a daily basis. And that's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, as we went through it a few series ago, deliver us from evil. Why do you think that's in the Lord's Prayer? Because evil attacks us, and we need God to deliver us from evil on a daily basis. The Lord's Prayer is meant to be prayed or as an outline for our prayers each and every day. In some seasons of our lives, we're under greater attack than others. What attacks are you facing in your life today? You don't have to answer aloud, but just think in your mind. What attacks are, am I undergoing? Some of you may be facing attacks on your health. Some may be facing attacks on your finances. Perhaps your job situation, your relationships, your spiritual life, and the list could go on and on. How should you respond if you're under attack in one of these areas of your life? Well, first of all, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Fear and worry are a symptom of what? Of doubt. They're a symptom of unbelief. Rather, cry out to God, and trust Him to deliver you. Cry out to God and trust Him to make a way. You say, well, I, I, I can't stand up against this. Well, the Israelites couldn't stand up against the attack of the Egyptian army. And there's things in your life that you can't fight back. You don't have the will. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the strength. You don't have the power, but God does. Put your trust in Him to deliver you. Don't complain. Don't get mad at God. Don't become mad at other people. Trust God to fight for you and to bring you through. Ask others to pray for you and choose to cooperate with God. Our story continues in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that Israelites can go through the sea 
on dry ground. And so Moses, along with the people of Israel, had been crying out to God for help. Help us. What can we do? We don't know. Please help us. We need your help. We need your deliverance. But there's a time for prayer to end and for action to be taken. And so God says, why are you crying out to me? Here's what you need to do. You need to cooperate with me. You need to do some things. Prayer is fine, but there's a time for action. And so even though the Lord was going to fight for Israel, Moses was going to have to cooperate with God. And so Moses was to tell the Israelites to move on. Now, that may seem a simple command, but you understand the situation. Israel was standing, hundreds of thousands of people, on the shore of the Red Sea. With a sea in front of them, impassable, and behind them was coming the entire Egyptian army. Move on. Walk on water. What are you asking us to do, Moses? So that was not an easy command to give. But Moses was to tell the Israelites to move on, even though they were standing there. And as they moved forward, Moses was to stretch his staff out over the sea, which would divide so the people could cross. Now, had Moses any experience in dividing seas before? Had he ever seen it done? Had he ever heard of it being done? No. God was asking Moses to cooperate with him to perform a miracle. He needed to expect God's power, and God began to move. Verse 19, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. You see, it would take time for the hundreds of thousands of Israelites to cross through the sea. And so God had to protect them as they were marching through the sea. And so the angel of God moved behind them, stood between the Egyptian army and the Israelites to be a shield for them. And so God's miracle power was now working on behalf of the Israelites. God was working and Moses had to do his part. And so Moses obeyed God. He stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night. The Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the, on the right, that right and on the left. Now, God performed the miracle as Moses stretched his hand out over the sea. Moses did not have the power to do What happened? But he cooperated with God, and this strong wind blew. He divided the waters, forming a wall on the right and the left, and dry ground in the middle. Now, does wind normally or ever do such a thing? Have you ever heard of that before? No, I haven't. That isn't how wind normally operates. It's outside the normal natural course of events. It was a special act of God to protect and deliver his people. Now, if you read biblical commentaries, you'll find some silly things written. People who do not believe in the supernatural power of God. One theory is that the Israelites crossed the Red Sea in a shallow, marshy area in which the chariot sank. Well, that's not what I read uh, in the words of Scripture, is it? Uh, That's just making things up to try to reduce a miracle into something we can explain. And there are many people that believe these kind of things. But the Bible text does not allow this explanation. There was a wall of water on the left and the right. And as you'll see, something 
terrible happened to the Egyptian army with those walls of water, which would not happen in a shallow, marshy area. And so the Bible describes an extraordinary supernatural miracle. So in this part of the story, we learn that the miracles of God inevitably require human cooperation and human partnership. Moses had to have faith. He had to believe God. The people of Israel didn't seem to have much faith at all, did they? But Moses, their leader, had faith. He believed God. He listened for God's instructions, and he followed those instructions. And that was necessary in order for the miracle to happen. And the same is true in our lives. When we are in a difficult situation, when we are facing attacks of various kinds, we must believe that God has the power to deliver us. And as we pray to Him, He will give you instructions as to what to do. And as you follow His instructions in faith, God will bring about your deliverance from the enemy's attacks. Oftentimes, to be delivered, God will instruct you to ask for prayer from someone else. Sometimes people are too proud. Sometimes people are too self-conscious. Sometimes people are too shy to ask somebody else to pray for them. And if that's what God is telling you to do, you won't receive your miracle. Oftentimes, the miracles of God take place through the prayers of other people. And you have to admit that you're under attack. You have to admit that you need help. You have to ask someone else to pray for you in order for your miracle to happen. And so if you need a miracle from God, be sure to humble yourself. And if God tells you to receive prayer so that you can experience God's deliverance. You see, nothing is impossible for God. No matter how big the problem you may be facing in your life, even if it's as big as an Egyptian army coming against you, nothing is impossible for God. And that's good news. God can and will fight for you. story continues in verse 24. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so they had difficult driving. difficulty driving. The Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And so apparently the Egyptian army was trying to break through this angel of the Lord that was protecting them. They were trying to hunt down the Israelites and the Lord threw the army into confusion. They didn't know which way was which way, was which way and the wheels of their chariots started coming off. How is that happening? Well, God has a lot of angels, you know, and they can do some pretty awesome things. And the angels were messing with the chariots. And the Egyptians understood this was out of the ordinary. There was a supernatural power working against them. They concluded that the Lord was fighting for Israel, which indeed he was. And yet Moses had still further of God's instructions to follow. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. And so during the night, all night long, the Israelites had crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground with the wall of water on the left and on the right. It took a long time. There were hundreds of thousands of people, men, women, children, 
animals that had to cross. It took a long time. It took all night. And now that they were across, there was this Egyptian army with its chariots and horsemen right behind them, trying to chase after them through the sea. And as daybreak came, the Israelites were safe on the far shore. The Egyptian army was in the midst of the sea. Moses raised his staff a second time. And the walls of water on both sides collapsed, drowning the entire Egyptian army. Multiple miracles in this story, are there not? Incredible miracles. And so the Israelites could now praise the Lord. Verse 31, and when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant. And so this miracle that God worked on behalf of Israel showed, it demonstrated his great power. And the end result of the miracle was that the people feared the Lord. The people put their trust in him. They understood he was someone who could be counted on. They understood that he had power far beyond their imaginations. And they also put their trust in Moses, their leader. In the next chapter, I'd encourage you to read it. Uh, in your plan of action at the bottom of your outline, I encourage you to read uh, chapters 10 through 16 to understand the whole story. Chapter 15 talks about uh, the people celebrating a great victory, singing a song of deliverance for the victory that God had won through this incredible miracle. Now let's think about the story a little bit more. Who experienced in this story God's deliverance? It, it was the people of God. The people of God who were following the leader that God had put over them, which was Moses. And so God protects and delivers those who are in the community of God. In the Old Testament, the community of God was the nation of Israel. Now in the New Testament era, that's the era in which we live, the community of God is the local church. Now when we speak of the local church, we're speaking of true Bible-believing churches that are led by godly leaders. Not every group which claims to be a church is a true local church in the biblical sense. We really need to be clear on that. Not every group that claims to be a church is a true church in the biblical sense. When you're part of a local church, God's protection is upon you. To be part of the local church is not simply to attend on Sunday mornings, although that's good, that's part of it. To be part of a local church is to be a believer. Now, just because you walk in the doors of a church building doesn't make you a believer. Just because you sit in your seat every Sunday doesn't make you a believer. To become a believer, you've com you must commit your life to Jesus Christ and, to, uh, and put your faith and trust in Him. And when you are part of a true local church, like Life Church, and there are many others, God is there to fight for you and to deliver you, no matter what you're going through. And so today we've looked at the first miracle in our new series, Experience God's Power. It's a miracle of deliverance from the power of an enemy. And so no matter what enemy is coming against you today, God wants to deliver you. First of all, you must make sure that you're part of the people of God that you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ. And secondly, as a believer, you pray. You ask God for deliverance. And you ask for prayer from others. 
And so this morning, we're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you're not a believer this morning, if you're not part of the people of God, I'm going to encourage you to pray that prayer with me. It's a prayer in which you admit that you've sinned, that you put your faith and trust by, in Jesus Christ by believing in Him, and you commit your life to following Him as your Lord. And so let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray this prayer. If you've never prayed a prayer like this before, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning, I'd encourage you to pray with me. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've followed my own plan for my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit my life to following you as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers today, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you that you work miracles in the past, that you work this great miracle of deliverance for your people. And we thank you that you still do miracles today, both miracles we can see with our eyes and inward miracles that nevertheless bring great changes in people's lives. God, we ask that you bring deliverance to everyone here who is being attacked or is in bondage to the enemy. Deliver those who are in bondage to various addictions, God, we pray. Deliver those who are under attack in their spiritual lives. Deliver those who are under attack in their finances, on their jobs, in their relationships, in their health. May each one put their trust in you. God, may those who need your touch, may they have the courage to humble themselves and to come forward for prayer. God, we thank you for the miracles that we've seen in the past, and we look forward to the miracles that you're going to do today and in the future. We want to experience your power in a new and fresh way. Help each of us to not only receive the miracles you have for us, but to be channels of your power to others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.